Hey everybody, it's awesome that we can join together from wherever we are in the world and continue this series entitled Our Proper Response to Christmas. We're just about a week to go before we jump in and celebrate Christmas. So wherever you are in the world, a very happy and merry Christmas to you and your family. Let's pray together as we begin this week's message. Father, we thank you that we can come together from wherever we are in the world and we can celebrate the arrival of our salvation. We can celebrate the arrival of Jesus Christ, that the story, the earthly story of your heavenly design, the earthly story of your heavenly dream for mankind began at the arrival of Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for sending your only begotten Son so that the heavenly story can begin and the wonder of knowing you, being one with you, seeing you through seeing Jesus can begin in our lives. Thank you for the impact that that made. And as we study our response to that impact, thank you that we can pick up and we can know that you are our God and there is no other. And we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, it's awesome that we can really dive into the Word from wherever you are in the world and just join in with the, those of you who are in the room. We thank you. It's awesome that we can come together and be together from people with people from all over the world. We've been studying our proper response to Christmas. We've been having a look at what it means to respond to the gift of Jesus Christ. And over the last couple of sessions, we've been taking a look, saying that Christmas really isn't a celebration just about Jesus arriving for all mankind. We know He didn't arrive on the 25th of December, but that's the uh, average date that we took around all of our salvation Christmases. Your salvation Christmas is a different one to mine. When Jesus stepped into your world, it was a different day than when he stepped into mine under different circumstances. But we bring all of the celebration of our salvation Christmases together and we celebrate it as one body in united fashion on the 25th of December. And as we had a look at Romans chapter 12 over the last few sessions, we realized that when Jesus arrived, when he came, he came and he did something very special for us. And he came and he gave us eternity. He gave us salvation. He gave us a vision of what it looks like to know God and see God. Remember, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And we needed to respond. According to Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, it says, what then, dear brothers, is our proper response to God's incredible mercies. And we know that Jesus Christ was the epitome of God showing His grace, showing His mercy, showing His love for us. And as we have a look at that scripture, Romans chapter 12 then begins to unpack and have a look and tell us and give us a lifestyle and give us decisions that we need to take to respond to those incredible mercies. And in the first session we had a look and we said that God has given us the ability to change our mind. We don't have to believe what the world tells us. We don't have to believe what we've always believed about ourselves. We don't have to take on the promises of doom, but we can take on the promises of grace and faith and truth of God. And what He's spoken into our lives is true, is genuine, is real. And we can break strongholds. We don't have to think like the world. That was the first response, is we don't think like the world because Jesus came so that his kingdom could be no part of the world. Response number two was that when we surrender to the promises of God, we put ourselves as living sacrifices. We sacrifice how we think. We sacrifice how we want to do things, and we become living sacrifices 
And that unlocks an incredible Zozan, Greek word, Zozan kind of life. And then last week we took a look and said, hang on a second, we need to respond. We need to stand up in faith. We have the ability to stand in faith. And we know that as we respond to God's promises, as we respond to believing them, and not in unbelief, but in belief, we respond to God's word in our lives. We might not be able to see it tangibly. We might not be able to see it in the real world. But we stand knowing the unknown. Knowing that God is in the unknown. Knowing that the promises of God are true. Knowing that what He's spoken about us is genuine. And so when we have a look at this uh, response, we don't stand in pride thinking that we know better. No, we don't stand in the known of our own abilities we stand in the unknown of God's promises, knowing that they are in fact true. Well, we're going to continue the study of Romans chapter 12 today and see what happens in our next response. So I'd like to pick it up if you're opening up your Version Bible app or you're opening up the app um, on the Victory Life Church um, app. Or alternatively, if you're clicking on the Bible tab or the notes tab um, in the online platform, I'd like you to follow along with us as we join in reading Romans chapter 12 from verse 4 to 8. We're going to read it through. I'm going to highlight some things and then we're going to jump in and see what our next response to Jesus and Christmas should be. It says this, in the human body, Romans 12, 4 to 8, in the human body, there are many parts and organs, each with a unique function. And so it is in the body of Christ. For though we are many, we've all been mingled into one body in Christ. This means that we are vitally joined to one another with each contributing to the others. God's marvelous grace, God's marvelous mercy, God's marvelous gifts to us imparts to each one of us varying gifts and ministries that are uniquely ours. So if God has given you the grace gift of prophecy, you must activate your gift by using the proportion of faith you have to prophesy. If your grace gift is serving, then thrive in serving others well. If you have the grace gift of teaching, then be actively teaching and training others. If you have the grace gift of encouragement, then use it often to encourage others. If you have the grace gift of giving to meet the needs of others, then may you prosper in your generosity without any fanfare. If you have the gift of leadership, be passionate about your leadership. And if you have the gift of showing compassion, then flourish in your cheerful display of compassion. So here, Paul goes about saying, well, hang on, the Holy Spirit has given you some gifts, and He's given you the ability to use these gifts in a very unique way for the benefit of others. That's in summary, what that scripture says, it says that you have been gifted with a purpose. You have been gifted with tools and gifts to walk out a purpose, to walk out what your purpose is. You have been given these gifts despite yourself. You have been given these gifts through the grace of God, the generous grace of God. Remember what then, dear brothers, is our proper response to God's gifts, what is his proper response to Jesus arriving, and it tells us in that scripture that each and every one of us is in fact gifted. We are gifted, says that scripture. We've been given gifts, pretty much like at Christmas time, we've been, some gifts have been placed underneath our Christmas tree through Jesus. So our proper response to the gifts 
that God has put underneath our Christmas tree, underneath our tree of purpose, underneath our, our life. He's saying, these are the things I want you to use during your life to live out your purpose. We are uniquely gifted. He's given us these gifts. He's placed them there. And he's asking us to use them to walk out our purpose. I am uniquely gifted. I'm not just gifted. I am uniquely gifted. The sets of presents and gifts that God has placed under my Christmas tree may very well be the same gifts that are placed underneath your tree. But as I unwrap them with the history and the story of my life, as I use them and apply those gifts in my life, those gifts become very, very unique in my life. The same gift of encouragement to me will be very different to the gift of encouragement to you at home or in the room. You see, the gifts that have been given to us have been uniquely wrapped, have been uniquely carded. The card on that gift has got your unique name on because God knows mixing that gift with your unique DNA, your unique history, your unique story, your unique weaknesses, your unique pains, your unique successes, that gift becomes very unique. James chapter 1, though, presses this point home a little bit further when it says this in verse 2 of James chapter 1. And we're going to read through verse 4. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result in you. Have a look. So that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Perfect and complete. I've got a perfect and complete vision lacking in nothing for my life. God has a desire to see me use these gifts to, to get to a place that I can even walk through trials and I will consider it joy. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, remember, says this, Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. Have a look. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in His eyes. The gifts being given to us will empower us to live beautiful and satisfying lives. Our purpose, to live beautiful and satisfying lives under the will of God. Our gifting, the tool set to walk out the vision. God's vision for my life is perfect and complete lacking nothing. It is a beautiful life, a satisfying life, and one that is perfect in His eyes. That is my vision. That is my purpose. That is my goal. Quite frankly, that is my dream. I'd love to walk out a life that is perfect and complete and lacking in nothing, one that is beautiful, satisfying, and perfect in God's eyes. Wouldn't you? But then why is it that we feel sometimes like this vision for my life or the gifts that God has given me to walk out this vision aren't getting anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. I know that God's given me gifts through the Holy Spirit of all of these wonderful things, but I don't feel like I'm using them. I don't feel like I'm going anywhere. I, I've packed the car, and I've packed the, the vehicle, and I know the route to go on my dream vacation, but I'm not even feeling like I'm getting out of the driveway. Have you ever felt like that? 
All the gifts have been placed in you. You've heard that teaching over and over and over again that you've been given everything you need to live a perfect and acceptable and fantastic and beautiful life, but you don't even pull out the driveway. You don't even get going with those gifts towards your purpose. Why do I feel like my life is more around the gift of trials and tribulation than joy and beauty? There's no vision the people will perish, says Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18. Well, I feel like sometimes I'm perishing. Now, the word perish, the best way to understand that word is, is if you ever have a leaking, dripping tap and you open up that tap and you will find, or in America they call it a faucet, but I, I, I force something else. But anyway, uh, that, that washer within the tap, within that, within that faucet, is going gonna, is gonna to have perished. It's going to have been pushed down, turned on, rubbed up against. It's going to be abrasively treated over many years. And slowly but surely, the vision, the perish, the washer becomes perished. That, that rubber works its way. It becomes cracked. It becomes hard. It becomes worn down. And maybe you feel like you know you have all the gifts but life has got you cracked, it's got you hardened, it's got you worn down, it's got you stressed, it's got you anxious, and you feel like you no longer have a purpose. Just like that washer, when it becomes worn down, it no longer fulfills its purpose of stopping the water when the tap is closed and sealing it and stopping the drip. No, now we become living a life where our, our vision gets perished, our vision gets lost, our life begins to be worn down and the very first thing that goes is our ability to use our gifts to fulfill our purpose. Proverbs in 29.18 says that that perishing will kill you. That, that, that slow, abrasive wearing down of your life, of your purpose, it will kill you. It will make you feel like life is not worth living. It will make you feel like you have no purpose. Thanks, God, for giving me all these gifts, but I can't use them. Thanks, God, for making the gift of the Holy Spirit available in my life, but I'm not going to use them. I have no reason to. I have no purpose. I'm definitely not unique in how I use these gifts, and I'm certainly not unique in the amount of difficulty and trouble that this life dishes up in my life. Have you lost track of God's vision for your life? Have you lost track of how unique those gifts are that you have to offer in your life? I know many times in my life I've just thrown my hands up in the air and gone, I, I no longer have a purpose here. I no longer add any value here. I no longer add, add, have any vision for being here. I don't believe that I have something unique to offer. And I begin walking a life that is perished, worn down, cracked and hard because I've lost that vision. A colleague of mine and a, and a very, very great preacher said it like this. Everyone ends up somewhere, but few people end up somewhere on purpose. Everyone ends up somewhere. Cracked, hardened, dry, dry kind of life. But very few people end up somewhere on purpose. Very few people take specific decisions to get to the life that God has promised, this perfect and beautiful life. The decisions God asks us to take when He sent His only begotten Son were to make specific decisions to walk out using the gift 
of Jesus Christ in our lives to have a perfect and wonderful life. This word of where, where there is no vision, the people will perish, this, this vision word is the word kazon. And it's, it's not describing a fold over pizza. It's a, a Greek word, I mean a Hebrew word, that means a dream, a revelation, or a vision. A dream. Those, those words that we used in Romans to describe a beautiful and wonderful and acceptable life sound like a little bit of a dream. But God says that when I give you these tools, these gifts to use, you will use them with a purpose. You will use them to see your dream of the life that He has for you begin to unfold. And what we're going to do is we're going to take a look today at how we walk out these gifts to walk towards our kazon, our vision, our dream, our revelation of what God has placed on the inside of us. Turn with me to Acts chapter 20, verse 22 to 24, and, and Paul begins to unpack how he walks through hardships and he walks out his vision despite these hardships that grind us down and perish us. And now compelled by the Spirit, he says in verse 22 of chapter 20 of Acts, I'm going to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me, living sacrifice, if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Do you see at the end of that section of Scripture what Paul's vision was? Paul's vision, Paul's dream, Paul's purpose was to testify to the gospel of God's grace, to testify to the gospel of God's grace. He goes through a process of walking that vision out with the gifts God has given him. He's a preacher. He's an apostle. He's got the gift of communication. He's got the gift of vision. He sees congregations growing in places where nobody else can see them. He sees through persecution to see God's ability. He has the special gift of faith. All the gifts that you have been given were given to the Apostle Paul. But what he did was he looked at life saying, how do I apply these gifts to walk out my purpose of sharing the gospel uniquely? How do I walk out my vision? How do I walk out my dream with these gifts? He didn't allow life to put him down, grind him down, make him hard, make him all cracked, and not be able to walk out his purpose. Here's how he did it. In verse, the first part of verse 22 of Acts chapter 20, he says this, And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem. Compelled. The, the Greek word that Paul used there, compelled, was, was the Greek word deo, which means bound to, unable to escape from. <coughs> Excuse me. Unable to escape from. You see, Paul, when prompted by the Holy Spirit, didn't even look at the thoughts of the world, didn't even look at the thoughts of his flesh. No, he was bound. When the Holy Spirit said go, there was no other option for Paul. There was no other choice for Paul. 
He didn't stop and go, well, what does it mean for me if I go to the, with the Holy Spirit? What does it mean? Would I be in good or bad place if I go without? No. For Paul, he was attached. He, he couldn't get away from going with the Holy Spirit. The word spirit in the Greek there is pneuma, which is a breeze, a flow of air. He was attached to the flow of the Holy Spirit. All of the gifts that God gives us are given to us by the Holy Spirit. So when we get into a situation and God stirs up in us this gift to encourage, to give others encouragement, we should feel compelled to take a decision that using that gift of encouragement is our unique ability in that situation to obey the Holy Spirit to walk out our purpose. When God stirs up in us a desire to go like He sent Paul, do we go knowing that when we go, when the Holy Spirit is prompting us, when the Holy Spirit is directing us to use these gifts God has given us, that we will be uniquely contributing to purpose. We will be uniquely contributing to somebody else's vision. We will be uniquely telling people of the wonder of Jesus Christ when we feel compelled, tied to, bound to, accept that the Holy Spirit is pushing us in a direction to give us a full and abundant vision and purpose. So the first thing that Paul did in walking out these gifts towards purpose was that he allowed himself to be completely bound to the Holy Spirit. In the second part of verse 22 in Acts chapter 20, he says this, Now I'm going to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there. I don't know. I don't know when I get up and start exercising under the Spirit's direction of these giftings that He's placed in me, where it's going to go. I just respond, knowing that He's given me a gift. I respond to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And when I respond to the promptings of the Holy Spirit to use those gifts, I don't know where that's going to go, but I know it's going to go somewhere good. I know I'm going to have a rich, fulfilling experience. How many times have you walked away from encouraging somebody or giving somebody a word of, of encouragement or a, a word of direction or helping somebody or stepping out in your gift of giving and giving to somebody and helping them out of a tight spot? How many times have you walked away when you've genuinely done that because the Holy Spirit prompted you? How many times have you walked away not feeling joy? Never. Not feeling peace? Never. You see, when we go into the unknown with the Holy Spirit, we can always know that we are covered by mercy and by grace and the promise of God. We respond to Jesus, the mercy, the grace, and the promise of God by stepping knowingly into the unknown. I just have to do today what will allow me to accomplish my purpose tomorrow I just have to do right now. I will do today what can enable me to do tomorrow that which I can't do today. Does that make sense to you at home? Did you get that? I will do today that which can enable me to do tomorrow the things I can't do today. I will set my tomorrow up for success, the kind of success that I can't have today. I will do right now the promptings of the Holy Spirit, even though I don't know where they're going to go. I know that right now I'm just going to do today 
what's going to set my tomorrow up for success, what's going to set my tomorrow up for fulfillment, what's going to set my tomorrow up for a beautiful, rich, and satisfying life. I'm going to step knowingly into the unknown. Have a look in verse 23. Paul goes on to this process, the next step that we need to take in walking out the gifts in response to Jesus Christ. He says that there's going to be resistance. Have a look. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. When I allow my flesh to warn me of the danger, when I allow the world to warn me of the danger, that's coming from a pride. That's coming from a self-preservation. That's coming from a selfishness. When I listen to my flesh warnings, when it tells me it'll be too difficult, it'll be too difficult. When my mind recalls the put-downs and the let-downs, my life will go down. When I allow the, my mind and my world, my personal flesh world, to remind me of the difficulties, to bring my, to my attention of the hardships, I will normally back down. But when I listen to the Holy Spirit prompt me where there will be difficulties, where the challenges of life are, when I listen to Him warn me, I get excited to push forward. I get excited to get up and conquer. I get excited to push through that difficulty because I know that when the Holy Spirit prompts me to push through a difficulty, there's a life of purpose, there's a life of vision, and there's a life of joy on the other side. But when my flesh gets wrapped up in telling me what's wrong and what's bad and what needs to be, I need to be cautious of, I sit down. I give up thinking it's going to be too difficult. Prompted by vision, prompted by purpose, Joshua and Caleb came back from spying out the promised land and prompted by the purpose and the vision and the fulfillment, if we just push through these difficulties, God will give us the land, they said. The other spies got wrapped up in their own personal warnings. Joshua and Caleb saw the same giants, saw the same Canaanite armies, saw the same people. But they knew that when prompted by God, given the gift set that the Israelite nation had been given, they could push through those difficulties and see the promised life on the other side, see the purpose of God on the other side, see the perfect will of God on the other side. But when the other spies got wrapped up in their own flesh, they saw the same warnings, but they didn't see the purpose on the other side. So they were unwilling to walk through the difficulty to get to the promise, the dream, the vision. Allow the Holy Spirit to make warnings in your life. Allow Him to prompt you to be cautious in certain spaces. Because He's normally warning you and pressing you away from sinful danger. And he's normally pressing you towards Jesus Christ, which we know is a life with hardship, but we know that it is a life with great reward. The next thing that Paul expresses on his journey of making sure that he walks out his gifts with purpose and with vision is this. In Acts chapter 20, verse 24, he says, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. That sounds very similar to the language of a living sacrifice. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus Christ has given me. The task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. He had clarity when he knew that God had given him gifts and that his unique past, being Saul and now becoming Paul, when he mixed his unique past in with the gifts God has given us, 
or given him, he knew that he would have a unique expression, clear, purposeful, vision-driven. He knew exactly what he had to do. He knew that there would be hardships, but he knew that he'd been given the grace and the mercy through the birth and arrival and resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ. He knew that through that process, he had been given everything he needed to walk through the hardships with the gifts God had given him and express those in his unique purpose and testify to the gospel of God's grace. He came to a unique realization, this uncommon clarity. We don't find this kind of vision, this kind of purpose, this kind of focus much today. We see a lot of wailing and travailing, even amongst Christians who've received the gift of Jesus Christ. We, we find a lot of issues and concerns and I'm working through this with the Lord and I'm working through that with the Lord. And you're not walking through it, you're working through it and you're camping in it. God has asked you to pick up the gifts, add the wonder of who He made you to be to those gifts and walk through the difficulty with purpose, just like Joshua and Caleb. He asked you to respond to Jesus, not wailing and travailing at the cross, at the difficult part, but celebrating the risen and ascended Jesus Christ. Not worrying in the, in the, in the stable or in the cave when he was in a manger, not worrying, what is Herod going to do? What is this one going to do? No, no, to push through with the unique gift of Jesus Christ in your life, mixed in with the unique DNA, the unique history, your unique story. Mix that together. Walk through the difficulty to see the promise, to see the purpose, to see the kazone, to see the vision on the other side. When we have that kind of unique realization of God, that we've been given these gifts, that we've been given all these wonders that God has given us through Jesus Christ, then we can start doing them with excellence. We can start doing them with purpose. If you give, give well. If you lead, lead well. If you're going to encourage, encourage with everything you've got. Then I can be using these gifts and pressing through with this unique realization and this unique kind of purpose. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 to 11, really begins to unpack this nicely for us. Let's read that together. But he answered me, this is God speaking to Paul, My grace is always more than enough for you. My power finds its full expression through your weakness. God's gift of grace, God's gift of power, finds great expression through who we are, weak as we are, scared as we are, Afraid as we are, prideful as we are, humble as we are, God finds unique expression through us, through our humanity. So Paul goes on. He says, I will celebrate my weakness. I will celebrate my humanity. For when I am weak, when I am just being me with God, I can sense more deeply the mighty power of Christ living in me. So I'm not defeated by my weakness, but I am delighted, he says. For when I feel my weaknesses and endure mistreatment, when I'm surrounded with troubles on every side and face persecution because of my love for Christ, I am made yet stronger. For my weakness, my humanity, he says, has become a portal to God's gift of power. Wow. Paul is really trying to tell us that we're going to have some difficulty. 
We're going to have some challenges. In fact, we're going to be human. But we can use our own personal unique humanity, mixed in with power, mixed in with grace, mixed in with faith, mixed in with leadership gifts, mixed in with giving gifts, mix those gifts in. And now my whole life becomes a portal for God's purpose, a portal for God's vision, a unique telling of the gospel story. So unique responses, unique contributions. That's not the Bible trying to pick you up and fill you with, with some sense of, of get up and go. You're unique. We get to church and we, we think, how am I unique here? Everyone's singing the same songs. Everyone's praising the same God. Everyone's saying the same thing. How am I unique here? Your whole life makes you unique. The challenge that you have is you sometimes allow your unique humanity to keep you human. But God wants to take your unique humanity and make it something supernatural. Despite the difficulty. Despite the challenges. So response number four to Jesus Christ is that we stand and we know confidently that we each have a unique contribution to make to the telling of Jesus Christ's story. We each have a unique contribution to make to the telling of the gospel story. Every single one of us can stand and know that even though there was one Jesus that came, even though there was one means of salvation, even though there is only one way we can get to God, we can uniquely approach the throne with our stories, our history, our baggage, our hurts, our successes, all that humbly, living sacrifice, humbly mixed in with the wonders of God's gift for our lives, and then we walk out the purpose of telling the story of Jesus Christ. Sir Francis Drake said this, Disturb us, Lord, when we are too well pleased with ourselves, when our dreams have become true because we have dreamed too little, when we have arrived safely because we have sailed too closely to the shore. You see, we need to stop erring on the side of safety in our flesh and step out and respond to the wonder of God's gift, the wonder of God's pleasantries, the wonder of God's mercy, the wonder of God's grace in faith, confidently breaking our thought processes, confidently putting ourselves aside and choosing God's word in our lives, confidently knowing that our weaknesses, our past, our pains, are all additions, not subtractions, to our unique confidence that we can have in Jesus Christ. I know as I know that many of my most painful moments are the motivation for me and what I'm doing for God right now. I don't shrink back because of what was told to be me by my parents. I don't shrink back because of the abuse I might have had when I was younger. I don't think back because of the bullying that happened in my life or the pains of mistakes of making decisions in my life. I don't shrink back. I might think back on them, but I don't shrink back on them. I think back on them and I realize now that Jesus was using that so that when I speak to somebody that's been abused, that's been put down, that's been challenged to their core, that I can stand for them, I can give them encouragement, I can share the Word of God passionately in their lives and have a purpose of uniquely telling the story of Jesus Christ. 
And so I consider all of my weaknesses pure, unadulterated joy because they are used to shape my beautiful expression of my life through the gifts that Jesus came to give me. I have a beautiful, unique expression and so do you. I have a beautiful and unique way of telling the story of Jesus because I have a unique and beautiful testimony with Jesus and so do you. You have the ability to wrap yourself around the gifts Jesus has given you. Walk through the difficulties and see the promised land on the other side. See His purpose. See His vision. Will you respond to Jesus today and say, yes, that's what I want to do. Yes, that's where I want to go. Or are you, like Sir Francis Drake said, going to live life safely along the shore, not dreaming big, always thinking you'll never amount to much and never amounting to much? You see, God has called you out of your current situation and given you every single tool you need, not just to get out of your current situation, but step into a wonderful, beautiful life. And so as we begin to unpack Romans chapter 12, we realize that this gift of Jesus wasn't just the story of a baby in a manger. No, it was the convergence of His story with yours. And when that story, when those two stories meet, Miracles can happen. Beauty in your life will begin to become unfold, will begin to unfold. When those two stories collide, the wonderful, purposeful, and, and beautiful life that God has in store for you begins to be realized. Today, I'm not asking you to tell me your story. I'm not just asking you to tell you me Jesus' story. No, I'm asking you to allow the Holy Spirit to mesh those two stories together so that you can have purpose. You can have kazon. You can have direction. And you can have this life that God has asked you, longs for you, in fact, many times begs us in Scripture to accept. This is the God that we serve. A God that gives us the glue, the gifts, to stick these two stories together and call them your unique purpose. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You so much that You sent Your only begotten Son to mix in with our story and become a unique expression of Jesus, to become a unique expression of who You are. Thank You for taking us from our weakness and in our moments of humanity, turning us into something that is strong and powerful and grace-packed. Father, thank You that we can be faithful and we can walk out those gifts with complete excellence because of your story in us. We are not made to shrink back. We are made to uniquely tell the story of Jesus. Father, thank you for that story. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your expression of love in the perfect shape of a Savior, Jesus Christ. As we get ready all over the world to celebrate this momentous start, to our salvation stories, the moment Jesus stepped into our world. Father, thank You that we can come together with our family, our friends. We can have the demeanor of Jesus to our enemies. And Father, we can walk out a life that we know is purposeful and alive with You. We love You and we honor You and we thank You so very much for all that You do. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen and amen. Wow, what a wonderful time together. And I want to say thank you so much for being with us. 
Now, I know it's kind of crazy because it's right slap bang between Christmas weekend and Christmas day. But next session, next midweek session, we're going to have a, a look at what Romans tells us in our response to Jesus, what our New Year's resolution should be. As we prepare for the new year, we're responding to Jesus. We're responding to the things that Jesus has placed in us. And so we're going to have a look at promises made. We're going to have a look at the kinds of life that we desire to live because Jesus came and gave us these gifts and gave us purpose. And when we have a look at what kind of promises we're going to make to God, all of our promises that we're going to make for the new year are based on the promises that God has given us. And so we're going to have a look at promises made. Our perfect response to Jesus, our correct response to Jesus is promises made. Next session here at Victory Life Church Online. Looking forward to celebrating Christmas this coming Sunday with you at all of our different times through the weekend. We're really excited for this Christmas message. What an incredible way to gather the family. If you're not going down to church on Sunday morning or you're not going to be going somewhere, you're away with family, what an incredible time. For a very quick, short service, we're just going to come together and celebrate the wonder of the peace of God on us that God has given us and how we respond to that peace. Pastor Dwayne will give the first part of the message and then I'll be able to share with you some of the second part of the message this weekend. But we're looking so forward to celebrating Christmas with you this coming Sunday. Thank you so very much for being with us here at Victory Life Church Online. If this message changed something in you today, if this message made you say, oh, I want some more about that. I want to learn more about that. Hey, why don't you just click on the I Raise My Hand banner. Whether you've been with Jesus for a long time or you came to Jesus today, you came to a realization that you need more of Jesus in your life, whatever your response to today's message, why don't you go ahead right now and say, yes, I want to tell somebody about what happened in my heart while I was listening to this message. Click on that link right now. Click on that banner right now. We'd love to be able to get with you and share with you through your journey of expressing your beautiful life purpose with God. Thank you so much for joining us. Look forward to seeing you on Christmas Sunday, the 23rd. See you there.